And now our feature presentation, Imitating Art with Don and Chuck. Hey, and welcome to Imitating Art. I'm Chuck. And I am Don. And at Imitating Art, what, what am I doing? What am I doing? I don't know. At Imitating Art, we like to review and dissect movies, see if they have any life lessons worth learning. Today, uh, we're joined by, I guess, a, a friend of Don's, I believe. Uh, is that true, Don? It's a good It's a good intro so far. You're doing great. You're doing great. It's Adrian Kreiner. He's here with us. Hey, he said we can intro him any way we want. <laughs> thanks, I think he's, take, he's very quickly taking that back. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah, we wanted somebody with a little bit of horror knowledge on this podcast because I, for one, am not a big horror guy, but we're talking about the movie Creep today from 2014. Chuck, do you like horror movies? Yeah, uh, I mean, more more than you do. Yeah, do you like watching them really early in the morning when the sun's out? I mean, a good movie is a good movie. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. And a crappy movie is a crappy movie. Uh, uh, I like horror movies not because they're scary, but because they feel like fall. So I like watching them in the fall. Okay. So it doesn't really matter what time of day I, I watch it. I'm not. Right. I'm not typically going for the the scare ter- factor. Ter- terroristic mood, although it's fun sometimes. Fair, Adrian. What's your uh, what's what's your relationship with horror movies? I know every year you do like a rundown through October, right? Yeah, I, I call it Spooktober, which is a little kitschy, but. Um... I try to watch at least one horror film a day, every day in the month of October. That's quite the um, undertaking. It can kind of weigh on your psyche by the end of the month. You're kind of like, oh, geez, I need something like lighthearted. But um, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, but I, I definitely don't limit my horror to uh, October. I'll watch it, you know, any time of the year. A uh, good summer horror flick is always <laughs> it's my one, one of those things where the, I feel like the weather doesn't match up with the feeling of the movie sometimes. Yeah, this is, this is true. Pretty much every major holiday has its own horror movie. So yeah, what's, it, what's the Independence like, Day one? I don't know. There, there probably is one. Probably like Dead, White, and Blue or something. <laughs> something is that, like is that, that a real movie? It could be. Oh, it's, it should it be. So, sounds like a B horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's like a Bihar film for like every season. There's one for Thanksgiving called uh, uh, Thanksgiving. It's like a evil turkey that tries to go after people. It's a little ridiculous, but um, wow. <laughs> it fits the bill. <laughs> I mean, and even Christmas. Actually, there's there's quite a few um, horror-themed Christmas movies. Like, um, I mean, Black Christmas, uh, a bunch of Krampus movies. Um, yeah just to get a, a read on like your kind of your kind of like favorite horror movies what do you have any like that topped your lists what are your favorites oh man that's that's a tough question um <laughs> i don't always go for like the the slasher type movies so mm-hmm. um it'd probably be easier to say what i don't like friday the 13th and halloween like I, I don't really go for those. Um, I don't, they don't really do a lot for me. I, I tend to go kind of like what you're saying before on, um, I like the more psychologically based ones and I kind of like the spooky ones that are more supernatural and stuff like that. And then like the crossover stuff, like sci-fi horror, those are always fun or Lovecraftian horror, like cosmic horror are, are pretty cool. Gotcha. But, nice. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know. My favorite maybe is the thing, which is maybe an easy answer because it's arguably one of the best horror films ever made. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, 
before we keep going on i'm hearing like a, a creaking sound repeatedly is that on your end or oh, is that yeah i think that's my chair sorry <laughs> oh, okay i was like it's yeah, yeah. coming uh, it's coming through a lot i didn't know if it was like the floor or what, <laughs> what was going on no it's uh horror sound effects oh, okay yeah there, see there you go see that's how you that's how you spin it he knows how to do yeah. spin control <laughs> um, Make it, uh, a little bit creepier <laughs> <laughs> just we're just gonna have like several moments of silence with just that sound <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> we're just, just gonna intriguing. isolate that and repeat it throughout the episode <laughs> so yeah so i guess i'll do a quick recap of what creep is i'll try to um so uh creep starts off with this guy driving in his car on his way to a job he's like a filmographer he's like or you know a filmmaker or a cinematographer of some kind getting a freelance job going up into the hills what are they in like pennsylvania Something like uh, that. Um, I think I, it's I assumed California. it was like Pacific Northwest. Oh, is it? Okay. I don't know why. I, I, some of those like steep hills reminded me of like like Western Pennsylvania. But um, anyway, in any case, he's heading up to uh, the, meet this guy that he met online who's going to offer him $1,000 to make a film. He doesn't really have any idea what it's about, but you know he's, he needs the money, so he's going up there. And then he meets this guy, played by Mark Duplass, and he is uh, kind of immediately kind of thrown because the guy says he's dying from cancer and he wants somebody to document like the last, you know, th this one day of his life, who he really is. So he can give it to his kid who is unborn. Um, basically he goes on this little hike with him. Things get a little weirder and weirder. This guy's a little, little off. You can kind of tell he's a little strange and he starts to, he starts to kind of admit some things and then he starts to kind of loosen up and open up to him a little bit. Uh, so he lets his guard down. And when they get back to the house after going on a nice hike, it all seems like it's kind of going okay. And then he kind of in invites him in, makes him stay through some manipulation by telling him, just have, just come have one drink. We're not done yet. You know, um, even though this guy, the videographer knows he is like a little, little turned off by the way this guy has been, he decides to stay for one more drink. And then things really turn dark when he uh, has a couple, has a drink with him. He loses his car keys because Duplass's character takes them. And I don't even know how to describe the last part. <laughs> things get super weird. You're all seeing this through first person through the camera. And uh, he finally gets himself out of there after getting a call from the guy's sister. And after he gets home, he starts receiving these uh, DVDs from uh, Mark Duplass characters and I don't remember the guy's name. What's his name in the movie? Joseph. 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 Okay. Yeah. So he, he starts getting these DVDs from Joseph saying, uh, you know, some really weird stuff. And I'm going to let, and Adrian, do you want to, you, can you bring us home here? Cause I, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm losing the thread at the end here. <laughs> um, so he, he's receiving these like DVDs in the mail from him. And so, you know, he gets the first DVD and it's, like a static shot of uh, Mark Duplass's character, like dragging what we assume are like trash bags full of like body parts. Um, right. And he's like digging a hole to like bury these bags. Um, and I think it's, it's meant to be threatening. And then uh, he gets another DVD from him and a, 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 like a plush wolf like a small like plush wolf which is like a reference to this um halloween mask that 
Mark Duplass's character wears earlier in the film that he refers to as peach fuzz. It's supposed to be like the friendly wolf and which is like accompanied with like a really unsettling song that he sings while he's wearing the, uh, wearing the mask. And then inside of the wolf, he doesn't use the knife, but he just rips open the wolf because in the DVD he references that there's something inside the wolf. And so he looks inside and it's like this um, locket on a necklace chain that like opens up and it has, or so on the back of the locket has like J plus A. um, And inside the heart locket is a picture of this videographer and Mark Duplass's character, you know, on each side of the locket just furthers the creepiness, you know, like this guy's obviously some kind of like stalker. And after that, it, there's a couple of scenes where like it cuts to Aaron um, at night and he's like hearing things outside of his apartment. So then like he hears stuff outside of his apartment and he's like looking around and um, it's obviously like Mark Duplass's character, Joseph, like creeping around and the Aaron never actually sees him. Although there is a scene where Aaron, um, cause since this is all like found footage, he's like recording himself at night and he sets his camera down. And while he's like looking around the house in the static shot, you see Joseph come up to the, the door, which is like a windowed door and like looks into, into the apartment or the apartment or house or whatever. Um, and then, um, it's almost like comedic in the timing of it. Like mm-hmm. Aaron's character comes back in. And then you see like Mark Duplass's character like quickly like duck and like kind of jump out of the way. Yeah. Um, which is kind of entertaining because you always like, you know, in horror films, they, they never really show that perspective. It's always kind of like they're there and then they're not. They don't yeah. show like the reality of, you know, having to jump away. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, oh, I have to run out of the way really quick or they're, they're going to see me. Um, so then Aaron picks up his camera and then goes and checks outside and he sees this like trash cans like tipped over. Um, and so then what's that sorry raccoons <laughs> yeah so he's like oh goddamn raccoons <laughs> which is like uh okay but then he gets a final dvd and joseph appeals to aaron's humanity to just kind of like meet up with him like one last time and he's like oh you know you don't have to do this but you know i think you're a good person and we can just like end this and so then the final scene is Aaron, he sets up a camera, it's a static shot, and he goes to this meeting spot that Joseph described as a public place and would be totally safe. And uh, so it shows Aaron, like, walk from the camera to sit down on a bench. And uh, he's just kind of sitting there waiting. And you hear like a chainsaw in the background, mm-hmm. which I guess is kind of ominous. Um, but I think in terms of the film, it's it, serves to like drown out any kind of noise that of what's about to happen. And so Aaron's uh, sitting on the bench and then you see Joseph, Mark Duplass's character walk up behind him. And we're assuming that Aaron can't hear him because of the, because of the chainsaw. And uh, Joseph like puts on the peach fuzz mask, the, <laughs> the wolf mask and pulls out an ax pulls it above his head and takes a huge swing and just buries it into Aaron's uh, head. And you see him collapse on the bench. And yeah. Very disconcerting. Kinda... In that, uh, <laughs> yeah. How so, quiet it was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's definitely unsettling. Cause it's, um, it's all just like this diegetic sound, you know, you just hear kind of this chainsaw in the background and birds chirping and, you know, it's full daylight. This guy's in a 
public park and yeah. the guy just walks up behind him and and uh takes him out with an axe to the head yeah and yeah that's pretty much the end of the film there yeah well, it was, well before before we get into some of the more details how did, how does everybody like this movie it was okay that's pretty much what i thought i thought it was okay <laughs> is this is yeah. this high on your list adrian um i thought it was pretty good like i said i'm not a huge fan of like the slasher like killer horror films mm-hmm. but if you're gonna fit this into that subgenre, I, I think it's it's an enjoyable one. It's somewhat realistic. Like I could see this actually happening, and I like that the victim in this film is it's not your stereotypical um, like victim, right? So horror films have a tendency to like victimize women, and mm-hmm. our victim in this film is you know like a pretty large dude. You know he's he's probably fairly strong, and he and if it was like hand to hand, he could probably take on um, Joseph's character, but yeah, that's probably why Joseph ran away when there actually was a physical altercation. <laughs> Cause right. he, he looks like he's like eight inches taller than, than Joseph. And so I, I think that's interesting. And I think it's a good like study of sociopathy or, or psychopathy. Joseph's character is definitely like, you know, a textbook, like psychopath and yeah. the way that he, mm-hmm praise on the vulnerability of Aaron and it's through his like manipulation that he was really kind of controlling things. And I think that was kind of interesting rather than just like this psycho killer chasing people around with an ax or a giant knife, you know, he's manipulating the characters to do what he wants. Right. So yeah. Aaron like chooses to, to stick around. Like he could have left at any point until, like, mm-hmm. until Joseph, you know, steals his car keys and he, can't leave and even at that point like he could have just walked out of there if he if like if he felt like his life was in danger like he could have just left right he could ran down the street or whatever yeah but he chooses to stay he chooses to have a drink with him and so those aspects i i think it's kind of an interesting film to look at yeah and uh for the found footage genre or subgenre i think it's it's um palatable sometimes it can be a bit much yeah, the shaky cam thing I think gets old for me in some portions of the movie. It's like a little, it makes me a little seasick more than it it makes me enjoy the movie and makes it feel like it's real footage. But I do appreciate that it makes it feel a little more real. It feels like first person. It feels a little bit like you're watching a vlog or something, something that we become very uh, used to now, like watching somebody film their life. Like that's not something out of the ordinary. So it's not, yeah. you know, it's something that we can kind of relate to. And also, I'm sure practically it probably cuts down on costs. Oh, yeah, immensely, I'm sure. Yeah, it's all believable, too. It's like uh, in, in some found footage movies, like uh, like Cloverfield is a good example, where a lot of times you're just like, why are you filming? Like, you should be <laughs> focusing on surviving. Or <laughs> Although I, in- I did ask that question several times in this movie. I was like, why is the camera still on? I know we have to see what's going on, but like, it, like if I'm actually asking the question, like why would he be showing a first person camera f- shot of what he's doing right now when he's trying to get away from this guy? That's true. Yeah. There are a couple uh situations and like at night he like wakes up and hears the noises. Um, I think we're just supposed to assume that like, Oh, he's a videographer. He's, he's recording everything. Yeah. He's basically but, a video diarist. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did write down an ax in the first act as I watched it. I was like, well, that ax <laughs> is going to come back to haunt this character at some point i'm sure yeah for sure so in creep 2 he he kind of like 
references that. Um, but I don't know, like we were saying before, I don't know if we can really talk about creep two. Yeah. Um, we're going to have this one stand on its own. So that way, no spoilers. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Spoiler alert. He probably kills someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so, Oh, I, we were forgetting a, a huge scene at the very end. It's revealed that, um, you're not watching just raw footage. It's somebody recording a screen and the camera pulls back from the screen that's showing the the park scene and uh, the camera turns around and shows Mark Duplass's character. And he makes some comments about how Aaron was like his favorite. And uh, it shows him like take a DVD case and he opens like a cabinet or a closet or something like that. And like puts it onto a shelf that has like a whole collection of like DVDs and like VHSs uh, suggesting with like other names. And yeah. so like suggesting that like this was not like a standalone case, but he was in fact some He's sort of He's quite the prolific killer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like serial killer. He's been doing this for a while. Um, I did get to write my one exclamation point in this was Mark Duplass because I really did not remember or that he was in this. When I looked at, uh, he's, uh, I'm a big fan of his and the work he and his brother do, but I've um, avoided this one just because of genre pretty much but i have watched some of his other like earlier horror movies like the very indie horror movies that he that he has made with his brother and they're pretty good there's one like where they're at a cabin in the woods i can't remember the name of it so i was in the in the scene where he was in the bathtub kind of like foe holding the the baby that he described uh being what's that the tubby Tubby time yes tubby time um during tubby time that was real creepy but it also came to a point where like i mean if you're in the in the beginning of this movie where you don't know how like what's happening it really does kind of make you think well yeah i'm sure it's got to be like insanely mentally difficult to realize you're gonna die in a couple of months and never hold the child that your partner is carrying you know so i was like oh it's kind of moving to his side at that point because i went you know, I'm sure that's got to like really screw you up to know that you'll never be able to hold your baby. So I was like, okay, I have a little bit of empathy for this guy. Um, you know, knowing what you know in the end that he made it all up, it's really fucked up that he, that he did that. And even more creepy the way that he sat there pretending to cradle an invisible baby in the bathtub naked while somebody filmed him. Yeah, exactly. That just speaks to his um, manipulative uh, prowess, right? Totally. I mean, he, he chooses something that he knows will like pull on somebody's heartstrings, right? Like he's dying of cancer, which is terrible. And then he's like trying to make a video to like leave something for his like unborn child. You know, it, it doesn't get any more heartfelt. Yeah, definitely. That, right? at, and at some point during this, I was like, when, when the guy, um, when Aaron was like trying to decide if he could stay or not, I was like, how much would I put up with? for a thousand dollars like how much is it is it worth all of this at some point i've got to be like you know what never mind i'm just gonna go home yeah exactly well and he he pays them like right off the bat right yeah he's got that money in his pocket you could just peace out yeah (laughs) which is i think you know just further speaks to how aaron is being manipulated right because he's he's got paid like this guy he doesn't at that point he doesn't think this guy has his his contact info other than his email. And so he could just leave, you know, and and never have to think about it again, but he stays. (laughs) There were several points where I think I would have left 
Uh, one, I'm not sure if I would have left at the fake suicide attempt in the tub, but that would have been the first point where I was like, I don't know if I really want to do this. And then, yeah, I think so there were plenty of what the kids would call red flags. Yeah. And yes. then when he jumped out to scare him in the woods and then revealed that he didn't know how to get back to town. Like at that point, that's when I'm like, I, yeah, no, I don't want to keep doing this. I can't even trust you to take me to, to like follow you with this camera to take me somewhere where we can easily get back. No, thank you. Here's yeah, your definitely. money. I'm I, I'm going. I think that like Mark or um, Aaron, the videographer, is like right there with you, and I don't think he trusts Mark Duplass's character until they actually find the. Uh, I forget the exact name, but it's like like the Heart Falls or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the the sacred well of the heart miraculous waters of the heart oh yeah yeah it, i know i remember but, milagro de corazon but i don't remember what else yeah. agua was, was that what it was yeah it was the miraculous water miracle of the waters of the heart yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, okay yeah yeah uh and, and like you can tell he's like uneasy and he doesn't necessarily trust him until you see like a switch in his demeanor though once they're like actually in the water um you can see like he's like letting his guard down he's like oh you know like he wasn't lying about this, so maybe I should trust him. Yeah, and you know what? I, I was thinking he was like freaked out by the locket with like the engraving on the back, but he didn't really react when he wrote like um, A and J on the on the rock, did he? Well, that that moment felt like a bonding moment, right? They had been through this like trek and found it together. Still so feels a, like a bit much to draw like your name with the videographer you hired in a heart next to the rock that you just like jumped off of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would weird me out, I think. Like, uh, a lot of it would weird me out, especially since the next thing that happened is Joseph saying, hey, look at these pictures I took of you when you were knocking on my door. Yeah. When they're at the, the diner. Yeah. 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 That, that, and I think that's when he he starts to put his guard back up, right? So yeah, he, I think he's starting to connect with Joseph a little bit when they're at the falls. And then I think he's skeptical again once they're at the diner because then there's some like discrepancies right? yeah it's like when he he's... starts thinking that uh that joseph is lying yeah, yeah it is also the first time he says like that he actually pushes back after joseph says oh sorry is that weird instead like all the other times he said something like that he's just been like no 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 it's, it's fine don't worry about it but this time he actually says well yeah it's a little weird but i guess it's fine <laughs> like he yeah. actually voices it for the first time in the diner and yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought I thought that was a good scene, though, of them sharing their shame and like because shame is like another level of like of scary, like something you don't want people to find out. That's like another like psychological level of, you know, you self-torture and and something that you you don't want to reveal to anybody you don't trust and you don't want people to find out about. So like digging deep into his shame, like in his history, really was a, a good way to bring out like the part of his character and then well I, what i thought was going to turn into it like an, an an empathy kind of thing but instead he revealed like this weird thing where he took pictures of him instead of something from his deep past yeah exactly and so i think that goes back to how joseph is like preying on aaron's vulnerability right so aaron tells him this like really deep story about how he, you know, used to piss his pants when he was a kid. And it's like this super personal story. You probably wouldn't really share with most people. And then uh, Joseph's like version of a shame story. Isn't really like, 
I don't, I don't think he's honestly ashamed of it. He, I think the reason he shares that with him is to further unsettle Aaron. Right. So I don't know. I think he, he gets, he definitely gets off on like scaring people. Definitely. Right. Like literally mm-hmm. he says that. And you know what this kind of reminds me of weirdly. I just thought of like It reminds me of someone like Bill Burr as a comedian, like he tries to lose the audience and then get them back. Like, it feels like he's like, I'm going to see how far I can push him away from me and then pull him back in. Yeah, exactly. And so in a way he's, he's testing Aaron's tolerance. Right. Yeah. So, which is what he's doing like throughout the entire film. He's testing. And he tries to get sympathy because he says like, I was nervous. I didn't know. I didn't know you. I didn't know how it would be to meet you. If I knew, if I knew you, how I knew you now, I'd be, I would have been less scared. Yeah, exactly. And so he's, he's feigning vulnerability on his part and reality. I don't think it has anything to do with that. It was, it was all about like testing him, testing like Aaron's limits and what he will, what he will tolerate. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all the like Joseph jump scare things in front of the camera, like from beginning to end, was that like, you think that was meant to be like an homage to, to like the, the jump scare kind of movies or just, do they have to fill a quota of the amount of jump scares in, in any horror movie? Um, I think it's, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, it's definitely like an homage to, to the genre itself. Right. But then I think it also wants to, the audience, you know, is expecting a certain feeling when they go in to watch a hard film. Yeah. And I guess you, you have to appeal to both crowds, the people who are like there for this, the psychological part and the people who just want to be like tense and waiting for the next jump. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. You, you can't just build the mood forever, right? Like you need to to break it up a, a little bit every once in a while. So, yeah, like when you give them that scare, you also give them that like moment after to like catch their breath, so you can you can start building tension again. Yeah, uh, you know, just giving them those crests. Also, I would like to point out that usually in horror movies, the jump scares are not the killer; like they're something other than the killer scaring you. Uh, yeah, it's in the, the cat moment when the killer's not there yeah it's the cat or something uh, <laughs> yeah exactly. but in this movie all of the jump scares are the eventual killer so what's interesting is right so all the jump scares are the killer but like it's never a situation where our protagonist um is actually in danger and the only time that he actually harms aaron it's not a jump scare or even like you know a jump cut or any kind of like jarring like camera movement it's it's a static shot and like with you know i mean there's no movement you're just like looking at one scene and you just see him like slowly walk up it's very like gradual it is yeah you see him like lift lift the axe and almost do like a practice swing before he (laughs) before he actually hits him in the head with the axe so it's like you know what's gonna happen yeah i thought it was interesting how they did that and um so in that sense yeah i guess the the jump scares Mm -hmm kind of done in like a playful way. Yeah. Almost. It's almost another version of him, like pushing him and pulling him back in to be like, huh, sorry about that. You know, just way. sorry. I don't know why I keep doing that, but I thought it was funny. And he's kind of gaining his trust by being like, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, really going to exactly. kill myself. I was trying to lighten the mood yeah, by exactly. pretending yeah. to kill myself. Yeah. He's, he's testing his tolerance. And then I think he's also getting off on that a little bit, you know, he's, oh, he's totally. enjoying like <laughs> this, the, He's flirting. Scare. Yeah. And there's that line where he, he says, um, when he scares him in the woods and he's like, well, now you, now you, he's trying to create like a common ground between the two of them. Right. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, this Joseph, is in your life experience. 
Yeah, uh, he's near, like near death then, experience, near life experiences, Fight Club. Yeah, exactly. So it's like Joseph claims he's dying, and you know he's experiencing, has this near death experience all the time, and he scares Joseph, and he's like, well, you know, now you know what it feels like to, to almost die. Yeah. Which I guess is maybe an attempt at bonding, or you know, he really likes to spin that, doesn't he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, it's yeah, just, nah, it felt felt pretty wild, right? That was crazy. Didn't it feel crazy to almost die just a second ago when I you thought I was going to kill you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he also he definitely gets off on it because again, in that moment, the first thing he says is is like, "Oh, you should have seen your face. Like, I wish you could see your face." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he the, takes the camera to show him. <laughs> yeah, and then the nice little ominous like. For two seconds there, you look like you wanted to kill me. Yeah. Uh, which is like another way of of building like this weird bond of like, I'm pro- I'm planning on killing you at some point, but in a few moments, I'm I'm making you want to kill me too. Yeah, and he gives it away because he says, "Be honest with me, hundred percent honest." When you came to my place and you saw that axe in the tree, you thought I was going to kill you with it, didn't you? <laughs> yep. Which I guess so. is like foreshadowing right you can see yeah that was kill him with it (laughs) i like that he brought that up he was like trying to disarm the situation and (laughs) just give away the give away what he was going to do by trying to make it seem less harmful somehow he just made it creepier yeah totally creepy he did mark duplass does a really good job at playing a creepy character i'll say that and he's so persistent when they get back to the house that he comes in for a drink and he's like giving him all these reasons like it really reeks of like gaslighting (laughs) and like, yeah. oh, you're going to, it's a long, not that long of a drive home. You only just have one drink or you've already had one. Now you're, you know, above the the limit. Like he goes through all of like the excuses that you've heard men use on women to get them to stay. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. it's basically baby. It's cold outside, but the horror version, <laughs> although I, maybe that's the same. The thing. other horror version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, when he was filming in, um, like when he asked him to put the camera away and he was going to admit that thing about how he raped his wife with the, the, um, the ape head the on mask. the ape mask. Wolf. Oh yeah. Wolf mask. Sorry. The wolf mask. Yeah. He was like, uh, when that, they had the scene with the subtitles, I was like, I was expecting the jump scare after that. Like I was expecting something to come in like very, um, abruptly after that shot. No, instead after that shot, it was Aaron being like, well, I, I think it's time for me to go. I'm just going to go now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Serious uh, red flag. Right? Wait, why do you, why do you want to leave all of a sudden? I don't understand. Did I freak <laughs> you out with the, with the rave story? What, what happened? <laughs> Can't imagine why. He, he like acts obtuse, but I, I think he knows exactly what he's, he's doing. Right. Oh, for sure. Which is, it's interesting because there's times when you're like, I mean, uh, Joseph's character is definitely insane, but like whether he's like, there's times though, when you like, question if he's like all there or if there's like some kind of like social element to his um dysfunction and then there's other times where like no he knows exactly what he's doing he's super calculating yeah um mm-hmm. but yeah i like how it, it kind of keeps you guessing at times you're like oh man, it is it's, it's more of a more of a fleshed out character than it seems in the beginning so it feels yeah. like it really comes around when you kind of figure out what he's been doing this whole time and I will like that, that scene, like after that story and after he's like trying to find his keys, that's my, like, that was like the one point in here where I was like, why are you still in the house? Why are you filming on the deck? Why are you not going to the door and just leaving immediately? You're giving him a chance to like block the door and keep you here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why are you filming yourself attack Joseph? Yeah. On the way out. 
and like I like that after they pull back after that scene, um, after the murder at the end, where he's like he calls out the stupidity of the whole thing and he like he points out that like wait why are you why are you looking at just looking at the lake why aren't you looking behind you why would you why would you do that <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly even before it's, joseph showed up in that scene i was like why why you got your back to to everywhere why don't he have you back to like the the water where it's going to be a lot harder for him to creep up behind you yeah, what an yeah idiot. it was a, like a very like one of those horror movie it, people were probably yelling at the screen being like look behind you what's wrong with you yeah they're they're almost breaking the the fourth wall there it's a little bit of self-reflexivity there right? yeah i like that like that's what i appreciate about like the Duplass brothers films is that they do like, they like to bring authenticity to things like this where they're like, okay, what would people be saying right now? Let's, let's bring that element into the movie itself. Yeah. They do a really good job of that. Yeah. And you get one last crazy jump scare scream by, (laughs) by Joseph at the end. Yeah. Which which is the exact same way he introduced himself to Aaron at the beginning too, is jumping on the car like that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it kind of goes full circle or mirrors itself in a way i also noticed there were a couple moments where he did that where i don't know if they like added something into the the sound mix Definitely. but like it it sounded unnatural in a few points like when he first yells you know does the jump scare to when he first meets aaron at the, at the very beginning and then even when he like opens up the door for aaron to get out of the car like it there was just something odd in in the sound effects and uh, like it made me uneasy so i'm assuming they Definitely. did something i just don't there's know a little like it. reverb bass hit kind of thing going on behind the behind the scream and behind the jump so it's like i noticed that too and i, I like the way they did they did it really well because so much of the film is so quiet yeah it, it is interesting i think um i mean i think it's definitely added in there to like kind of jolt the audience totally um because I think it's it's all supposed to be diegetic sound, so it's like anything that you hear is like from within the like produced from you know realistically like from within, within the, scene. the frame. Yeah. yeah, this yeah. Like what is that? What was the um the idiots? What is that called? Uh, 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 dogma ninety. Dog, dogma, yeah, dogma film style, yeah. And um, I, I do like uh, the, the the music uh, over the credits really comes in harsh at the end. And I like I like the way that comes in uh, after, you know, that last little jump scare. It comes yeah. in like right afterwards and it yeah, jolts you out of your quiet little horror movie comfort. Yeah, yeah. They, they throw a loud like punk song at you, which is honestly a genre that I associate with more typical uh, like horror movies, especially, you know, those late 90s early 2000s horror movies when that kind of music was a little more popular like yeah i was like those like soundtracks, skate punk and thrash and stuff like that yeah yeah the, the, like their soundtracks are all like punk and and, and metal and like new metal mm-hmm. songs so uh I, I like that it gets this hit of like it's almost saying you just watch a horror movie <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. like in a very fun way yeah, joseph will return in creep too yeah <laughs> By the way, I like that at the beginning, Don, you, you couldn't remember Joseph's name. There are literally two characters in this movie <laughs> and you couldn't keep track of their names. He was, he's Mark Duplass. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. For, for the first half of my notes, I just put Duplass because I didn't catch his name yet. 
well it's because i know him from so much stuff like i like him a lot so i i just didn't know his name his yeah, character's the, name the i really project. should start doing that more often though <laughs> we spend we spend a, a couple minutes in every episode trying to remember at least one character's name <laughs> that's great there's usually more than two though <laughs> at first at first i was like does Aaron just carry like Rohypnol around with him? How's, how, how's he drugging him? But no, it's just Benadryl. It's revealed to be Benadryl. So I do he have carries Benadryl around with him. Yeah, I do have one note that just says Benadryl. <laughs> um, I also just I, I really loved uh, the line when when Aaron is talking about the dreams that he's been having about uh, uh, Joseph and he's describing it and Aaron says, I'm a little baby and he's giving me a tubby. <laughs> yeah. The dreams are definitely, uh, <laughs> so <unsettling. weird. laughs> and, uh, again, it's a horror movie. So there, I feel like there almost has to be missteps by the main character, but like throughout the, the last half hour of the movie, I, I have notes like change your locks, move, change your name, get the fuck, get the fuck away. Like, yeah. as, as far Anything. away as possible. Like, uh, yeah. go to the cops. Like, and then he does call the cops once and it's ineffective and he stops trying. So it's, I, I feel like that's totally realistic, right? Like if you were it to is. call the cops, they would just be like, like uh... I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. We're the, did you, who did you think you called? We're the police. We don't prevent crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but still, exactly. I, I, I would uh, still probably like if the phone call were ineffective, I would grab the DVDs and whatever evidence I happen to have and probably yeah. actually go to the station. Yeah, he has actual evidence. That's and be like, look at what I have to do, deal with. At, at least show them, you know. Yeah, you're not wrong for sure. Go to yeah. a hotel somewhere. Like <laughs> that. That's. I, I definitely had that thought too. But I mean, as soon as something creepy happened, you know, I'd be like, uh, "All right, let's get out of the apartment or the the house and go stay somewhere." And my thinking that uh, is that he doesn't have the money to stay somewhere else. Right, because there's a whole conversation well, he now. <laughs> he yeah, the thousand dollars, but maybe he spent it on rent or something like that, right? Like, because um, there's the conversation between he and Joseph, where like they're basically talking about how you know Aaron has like money troubles. You know, it's like, oh, it's totally okay to have money yeah. troubles. Lots of people do. Mm-hmm. His uh, house is really nice, though, too. Yeah, like, it, for it's, someone with money troubles, that that was a nice house. I know it's like this cute little bungalow. Like, I think it's in like Southern California. I was going to say, and if he's in Southern California, he does, you know, well, he probably has money troubles because he overextended himself with that apartment. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I looked Definitely. up Lake Gregory is in San Bernardino. Okay. So LA. Which makes sense. Cause that's probably where Mark Duplass and uh, the other guy lived. And the mm-hmm. other guy was the one who directed it. So they they probably just filmed it wherever they happened to already live. Yeah, yeah. probably so. They didn't have to pretend that the LA forests were, you know, Vermont or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because exactly. there's always dead giveaways by the kind of mountains and trees. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Although you did think it was Pennsylvania. True. Yeah, and that that was basically, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about the like the hike part itself. I was more thinking about that the town, that the view of the town and that hill really stuck with me for some reason. And it just made me think of like old, like mining Western Pennsylvania towns. Yeah, I could, I could see that. But a lot of these places, I feel like it, it's good for movies like this to like feel like they could exist anywhere. You know, it could happen anywhere. So it doesn't really need to have uh, the, the, the actual area be a part of the story. 
Yeah, and I, I don't think they specifically reference like the names of any any place. But yeah, I think it's it's supposed to serve some kind of universality to it, right? right. Like it could happen anywhere. Chuck? Uh, no, I, I think I think that's good. Okay. Yeah, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and figure out what lessons we all learned that uh, that Aaron didn't. We'll be right back. <laughs> In the second film, he's going by the name Aaron. So, which is the name oh. of the guy he kills in the first one. Okay, I was going to say that that phone call at the end of the first one, he was he introduced himself as Bill to the other person he was talking to. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. But, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting. I mean, check it out. It's Some people, I, I've seen a lot of people saying that they like the second one better than the first one. I, I'm not really sure which one I like better. Maybe the first one. I was going to ask you how it stood up, how it held up against the, the first It's definitely, one. like, it's a strong sequel for sure in hmm. terms of, like, a lot of horror sequels can be, can fall pretty flat. But this one's actually not bad. Yeah. I think they went about it uh, thoughtfully, I suppose. Nice. Are we back? Are we? Are we back? Uh, I think we're back. Honestly, I, I I thought we were. I forgot, I for, I forgot we didn't say we, we were back. <laughs> <laughs> all the best stuff happens on the break <laughs> right <laughs> it's okay we could still be back it's fine it's all editing yeah <laughs> fair enough so um yeah I'm, I'm i'm curious what what you guys came up with here i actually spent a little bit of time like sitting and thinking about it and i was like i'm not finding a lot of overt lessons in, in this one but i yeah. hope you guys uh make up for what i didn't find <laughs> I, uh, I i should have sat and thought about it uh one i just wrote be careful. Actually, I wrote be <laughs> period careful period. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that's definitely sound. <laughs> yeah, uh, like we were saying before, you know, you gotta pay attention to those red flags and uh, not let yourself get into a situation that you don't really want to be in just out of desperation. Yeah, money is yeah. the scary part. Uh, yeah. The thing, I mean, I wrote more or less the same. I wrote. Uh, when you just trust your gut, basically, like listen to your gut when it tells you something's wrong and you should get out of there. Yeah, yeah, it, it kind of sucks, right? Because um, Aaron is, you know, he's like a nice guy, and he's like trying to find or trying to find the good in this, you know, evil character, right? And he's trying to like ignore all these red, all these red flags or whatever to try to see the better side of this guy. And and so like, I don't really want to say that there's a lesson in that because that, that's kind of bleak, right? Like don't trust people. Don't let your guard down. Don't like right. try to see the good in people, you know, cause it'll like ultimately get you killed. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> that's, like, I mean, that's, de- that's definitely like a take home from this, from this film, I think in a way. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, like, the, the way I wrote it was humans are overall a kind and gullible bunch. Right. And that's that's what Joseph preys on, right? Is, yeah. And that's what he's doing. He's like testing Aaron's limits and you know, manipulating him. Um yeah, even in know, just like, being like, look, I, I just want to say goodbye to you. I want to say my point. Come come to this open, brightly lit public area, you know, because he knows to someone like Aaron 
that means something. That means something can't go wrong in in a public area, and he'll trust that. But to someone like Joseph, he's like, "What, what the fuck do I care? I just want to kill you." Right? Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't care where it's gonna be. Yeah, because like you know, if you're like a good person, you're you're you're, you're gonna be gullible. Societal laws that you know the unwritten society laws that something like that isn't going to happen in a public place, public place in daylight, but uh, sociopaths are not bound by those laws of society. Yeah, not at all. And, and I mean, I'd like to think that like, I, if I were in that situation, I would, I'd be like, no way. I'm not going to meet up with this guy. Like there's, there's no way in hell, but like, I don't know. I could also see myself being like, yeah, all right. I'll just like give this dude one last chance. And I can be done with it you know, and, and trying to like, I would fall for that appeal that Joseph is, is offering him. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause it feels like if I just do this, maybe he'll go away. Right. Yeah, right. exactly. I've definitely been in some questionable situations, uh, doing freelance work where, you know, everything always turns out fine, but I could see some of the, some of the places I started going in a, strange direction if the person was like a weirdo and uh yeah so i this this did feel real to me in that way it's like well a thousand dollars for a day's work of shooting is pretty good that's good money i could i would definitely take that ad from craigslist (laughs) no i i I would absolutely i mean yeah because i think we we both do like freelance photo and video stuff and yeah if i if i saw a thousand dollars for a day's work uh, i would totally jump on that it's funny because it's like the ones that are trying to get you to do it for free are probably just as suspect as the ones who are trying to get it, get you to do it for a proper wage because nobody ever offers the right amount of money on Craigslist. Yeah, no, definitely not. Yeah. I was going to ask is the fact that it's a thousand dollars, a red flag in itself. You probably should be, but it'd be hard to, it'd be hard to overlook. Yeah, it would be. I, I think that if I saw that in Craigslist, I would, I'd probably think somebody else already got it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Or I would think it was like a scam at first. And sure. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean money up front, cash. Turns out it yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. As it turns out. <laughs> I mean, was it though? He got paid. Like uh, sure. It's true. it's true. He did get paid. <laughs> and he really could have he could have walked away at any point. <laughs> so right? yeah. He needed that thousand dollars like he needed an axe in the head. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this is the part where I point out that this is going to be the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but we'll see. We'll see. Nice. Um, you, you need a thousand dollars, like you need an axe in the head. It's a good line. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to. I, I like how so many things are are based on the simple like parts of society and the economics where it's like, well, he wouldn't have been in this situation if he wasn't like strapped for cash because he can't afford rent because, you know, X, Y, and Z. So it's like seeing all these like normal situations that people are put in just because they have no choice, but to try to make some money. So I feel like that is like the real lesson in this, not really a lesson, but the real, the base of the whole story, the crux of the story rests on the fact that he needed a thousand dollars more than he needed to be safe or feel safe. Yeah, exactly. Like what we're willing to, to tolerate to risk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To tolerate yeah. and risk. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like at some point I was asking 
like how, how far would I have gone in this situation knowing that I, it would, you know, keep me from having that thousand dollars that I have in my pocket already. Uh, yeah, I, I still stipulate that once, once he shows the pictures, I think most people would be gone. I think. I think it would be close. I don't know if I would have left at that point, but I, I don't know if I would have gone in for that last whiskey. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think do I, I think Joseph is driving up to that point. So once he gets home, yeah, that's when Aaron is like, yeah, all right. I think I'm just going to go. Yeah. And then he talks him into the whiskey. So tugging on those heartstrings. I would yeah. have been like, what kind of whiskey? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's the cheap whiskey. And the, the cheap kind. Nah, <laughs> but Oh, and speaking of it, there's something I forgot to mention before. I liked, I liked the like humanizing simple thing that, uh, Joseph did in the beginning where he was running up the stairs and he was like, Ooh, you never get used to those stairs. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I feel like that was definitely like an off the cuff Mark Duplass line that like really makes me, makes it feel real to me. <laughs> exactly. And, and within the film too, it, it, um, cause it's supposed to be like his family cabin. So it, it makes it more believable that it is the family cabin. Like, Oh, he's been going up and down those stairs for years. Right. And you know, right. And it, like you said, it's just like, you know, just a small comment, but like, it's that simple thing that we can all relate to this. Like, yeah, I know every time I walk upstairs, I feel winded. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say I had the complete opposite reaction to the peach fuzz song. When he started singing that song, I was like, he's making that up. Oh yeah. Oh, totally. yeah. That's, that's, I was like, that's not something his dad used to sing to him. He was making that up right now. Yeah, no, I've sure. seen enough improv to know that that person is making up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You're like, what? you're trying to figure out if it's like he's repurposing a tune or if he's just kind of like, uh, yeah, definitely. You're like, hey, dad never sang that to you. Come on, buddy. <laughs> I hope your dad never sang that to you. <laughs> yeah, I did, I did like that. It was the the end credits folky song, though. It was the what? After the punk song, there was like a folky song playing. Oh, I didn't make it that far. And and it was. The Peach Fuzz song. Oh, sorry. I'm bad. I'm, I'm bad at being Hollywood. I didn't watch all the credits. <laughs> yeah, I, I, admittedly, I did not either. <laughs> well, so I uh, I was watching it on the computer, which was sitting on the table. So whereas if I had been watching it on TV, the remote would have been sitting right next to me to stop it. I would have had to lean forward and physically stop it. <laughs> Uh, and I did not feel like doing that yet. So really, I, uh, I really sat through the, the uh, five minutes or so of, of credits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll stop on its own eventually. It'll play <laughs> the next thing, which is you, I think, was the suggested watching after this movie. Uh, Don, did you have any lessons? Just the one I told you about. Trust your gut. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's all I wrote down. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I, I really did like sit and try to think of what you could learn from this movie, but I I didn't come up with too much more than that. Yeah, I, I guess when it comes to being kind and trusting, uh, just realize you can't do that all of the time. You could probably trust most people, but you certainly can't trust them all. So, yeah. like I said, be careful. At the end of the day, At the end some of the people day. seem like they might be a little more trustworthy than they are. For sure. Maybe, you know, take care of yourself and care about your your own feelings and well-being as much as that of somebody else, right? Because yeah. he, he, I mean, why does he stick around? Because he doesn't want to, like, insult Joseph or, like, he feels obligated to, like, fulfill this role as videographer, right? I mean, right. so, he, like, 
why put yourself in that situation? Why ignore your these obvious red flags? Uh, why have such high tolerance? You know, if he's not like, if not to like, you know, be considerate of the other person, right? And at the same time, like being sort of like inconsiderate to your own needs. Yeah, like put your put your safety before somebody else's like feelings. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Totally. And I guess also try to recognize when you're being manipulated. Like if you're doing something that you don't want to do, maybe try to assess if you've been manipulated into doing it. Yeah. Especially yeah, if it's cre- as creepy as this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's definitely the, um, like the gaslighting element of, <laughs> of the whole thing where it's like, he's trying to make Aaron feel like he's doing something wrong by wanting to leave instead of just letting him go. Yeah, and yeah. to keep it—I mean, he knows it. He sees what's happening, but he's like—I mean, he goes to the point, but he does go into like defense mode at one point where he, you know, at the point where he puts the Benadryl in his drink mm-hmm. and tells him bottoms up. So like he is like kind of working proactively to get himself out of there, but then keeps looking for his keys instead of being like, "I'll come back for the car later. It's fine. <laughs> just yeah. just get out of here." Yeah. When he's asleep, instead of going through his pockets, he should have just gotten out of there. Also, it's yeah. amazing to me that Joseph was able to wake up so much after Benadryl in a huge shot of whiskey. I was going to say Benadryl and probably, <laughs> yeah, like three fingers of whiskey. <laughs> I mean, so was he faking it the entire time, right? Like, <laughs> he's has a really high, actually... high tolerance. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's built up a tolerance to Benadryl over the years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was talking about the whiskey, but yeah, <laughs> maybe the Benadryl too. <laughs> <laughs> A shot of whiskey isn't necessarily going to knock you out. That Benadryl, though. It's that was a pretty big shot, and he was already drinking before that. <laughs> but he wasn't really drinking the shot that he got before. Like, oh, he wasn't? Uh, no, he was, like, putting it to his mouth and then bringing it oh. back down. Hmm. Well, I mean, he took the empty glass away from him at some point. Maybe he dumped it. I don't know. But between the whiskey and the Benadryl, I would think yeah. the combination of the two would, would have knocked his ass out for a little while. <laughs> yeah. He's a pretty scrawny guy. The, th- um, the things we talk about when we can't think of other lessons. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I don't. <laughs> um, maybe there's more lessons in the next in the next movie in Creep 2. <laughs> uh, it's kind of I'll a start a YouTube channel. The same. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I literally don't have uh don't have anything else. All right. Well, I suppose we can uh we can wrap it up there. Um uh adrian uh, thanks for joining us and absolutely giving us some of your perspective um do you have um anything out there on social media that you want to plug or push right now uh no not particularly at the time okay so everybody can just enjoy spooktober on their own (laughs) yeah yeah definitely i i encourage people to you know get festive and and scare yourself right it's a lot of fun Get festive and scare yourself. There's the title of the episode. <laughs> but it's 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 like uh, tickling. You can't really tickle yourself. Can you really scare yourself? <laughs> oh, I scare yeah. myself all the time. Yeah, um, like read a spooky story before bed, or yeah. you know, so no, mine's like mine's much more uh, practical than that. <laughs> I don't need, <laughs> I don't need to read spooky stories to scare myself. Like um, driving with your eyes closed or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Take it back to Fight Club. <laughs> um, all right. Well. Uh, thanks for sticking with us guys. If you want to find us on the internet, you can send us an email at imitatingart one at gmail.com 
or find us on social media at imitating art pod on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. And if you want to find me individually and scare me for Halloween, you can do that at big F and Moose on all of the socials. Yep. And uh, if you want to listen to my other podcast, don't worry, I'm finite. You can find that at anchor.fm slash don't worry, I'm finite. And you can find me on Instagram also at don't worry, I'm finite. So uh, thanks for sticking with us. It has been actual. It's been real. See you next Tuesday. That was a pregnant pause. Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.